Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with me, Chris Bright. Every week, I'll be speaking with a church leader about ministry strategy and getting to grips with not just what they do, but the thinking behind why they do it. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Well, my podcast guest today is Jim Tomblin. Jim serves as the Chief of Staff at Christ Fellowship in Miami and leads the directional leadership team there. He also is also an author. Uh, his books include 125 Tips for Multi-Site Churches, Better Together, Making Church Mergers Work, and Church Locality, New Rules for Church Buildings in a Multi-Site Church Planting and Giga Church World. He also consults churches in multi-site and merger and succession strategies with the Unstuck Group. Uh, Jim, it's so great to have you uh, back on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for inviting me back. That's always an honor. Well, I'm excited to, to dive into the topic today because um, multi-site is something that I think is is something that I'm really interested in. And I know a lot of church pastors in the UK are looking to think about multi-site. Uh, so we're going to dive into that that topic. And uh, well, let, let's, let's dive into it straight away. Now, obviously, your expertise is in multi-site. And now there were some pre-COVID best practices. Let's start maybe with up there, because uh, before we get into all of the COVID part of it, um, what were those pre-COVID best practices? Mm-hmm. What would you advise a church before COVID if they were going to go multi-site? What were the things that you would be looking to, some of the markers? What would you yeah. advise a church looking to do multi-site? Well, multi-site was, was continued to thrive before COVID. And leading up into the COVID, pre-COVID, uh, here's what their best practices that were emerging then. First of all, we, from day, from the I've been in this movement now for over three decades as one of the early pioneers of the multi-site movement when I was a lead pastor in Colorado, and I was one of the early pioneers. But from, from, uh, from the very beginning up until pre-COVID, we would say that the first, the most important decision to make best practice is to appoint campus pastors or, or location pastors who are uh, leaders. That is, they have a leadership gift, not just a shepherding gift, uh, but clearly a, they have a leadership gift, and they have the DNA of the sending church. That's probably the most important decision because everything rises or falls on leadership. That was the, the first best practices, uh, sending out location pastors who, who are leaders and have the DNA of the sending church. Uh, secondly, to launch strong and small facilities in order to reach 80% seating capacity uh, and to get to dual or multiple services within the first year. So launching strong, that is, was as large of, of a launch team as possible, a core, um, and to, um, in small facilities, um, was the another best practice, uh, to standardize and reproduce your ministry best practices across all campuses. That is, uh, when we talk about what are the ministry best practices, you know, the, your worship practice, your small groups, your uh, children's ministry, your stu- uh, children uh, students' ministry, is to standardize them so that all locations, they're all playing at the same level of quality and, 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 um, uh, and experience there, as well as um, uh, um, to uh, establish a central governance team or central governance of all campuses so that you can protect the brand integrity and the quality of your church. So those are some of the best practices before COVID. Yeah, that's 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 really fascinating, and uh, that's really interesting to hear. I think the protecting the the brand quality because one thing I've known 
uh, certainly is that whenever you start having multiple sites, uh, they can easily go in different multiple directions. <laughs> and mm. so bringing that together can be can be really, really hard. And like you said, you've got to re- kind of replicate that DNA of, of the sending church. Are there any sort of tips you've got for that reproducing this, the, the DNA? Is that something that I guess it feels like it's got to be caught rather than taught, as it were? Well, I think once once a church uh, is growing and healthy and they're beginning to do some things right and you as you start thinking about multi-site and you, you ask the question, so Lord, what are we doing right? What are you blessing? And how do we um, uh, translate that in, across multiple locations? And how do we reproduce that? And so what is that? What what is transferable there? Um, so that, that is the challenge of multi-siting is to taking what, is, what are we doing and how do we make that transferable to other locations? So you look at uh, what's working here and then um, reproduce it in another another village, town, or location. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the other the other thought is um, there's a lot in terms of multi-site best practice about the the sending distance. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've I've written about this before uh, at Thinking Church, and I kind of likened it to. Um, gravity <laughs> the best you kind of have this um you know how planets need to be in a habitable zone there mm-hmm. it needs to be far enough away but not too far away um you you talk i know you've talked about before before about the kind of 15 to 30 minute zone um what's the problem if you go closer than that what how do we understand that best practice of 15 to 30 minutes how do we get to there and, and why why is yeah. it set at that kind of range well, the, the idea of multi-siting is that you're not going to the next village or town or neighborhood who are already there with people who live in those villages or communities who are making the drive or the walk. Most We're thinking in our Western culture, we're talking driving. Um, uh, most people in our experience in the States, and I've also seen this in the, in the, in the European context as well, in the UK, and having been in and out of uh, Europe and UK over the years, is that... Um, Majority of people live within a 15 to 30 minute drive of their church that, that they attend. Is that, do you find that true in, in your community? Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think we, we get a few that go outside that 30 minute radius. Yeah. Maybe we get some that have traveled as, as far as 45 minutes. I used to mm-hmm. attend a church that was 45 minutes away uh, back in, yeah. you know, back in the early 2000s. And yeah. but in reality, it was very hard to be part of of that church beyond the Sunday, mm-hmm. really, and maybe one thing in in the midweek. You couldn't really get high, highly involved. But people do uh, will will be will travel. But the, the thirty minute rule, I think, really does hold hold true in the UK as well. Well, and that's what we were seeing as well in the states that the majority of people who are involved in their local church live within a fifteen minute drive of their church, and uh, and then the rest live between fifteen and thirty minutes. And so um, that concept that has made multi-site so successful is, is that you're, uh, you're, you're planting or birthing, reproducing your church in a, a location where you already have a base of people to build upon, who already share your vision, share your DNA. Um, if, you, if, if you launch within 15 minutes, it's, all, it's too close because people are like, well, we're already 15 minutes or less. Uh, so that's, that can be too close, and it doesn't help the new location uh, get off to a strong start. But the, ideally, around the 15 to 30 minutes where the vast majority of churches in the states launch their local campuses, 
because they have a base of people there who who more attenders or spectators because the 15 to 30 minutes can be a little too far to be involved on a regular basis. But now you're launching, you're reproducing your church in their community, maybe 20 minutes from the sending campus, sending location. And now that 30 minute drive for them is a 20 minute drive or their uh, 25 minute drive is now a 10 minute drive. And so now we can be more involved. And so you're building on the uh, on a base that you already have there. When you go beyond 30 minutes, now you get in what I call church planting territory because you don't really have any or very few people who already attend your church in that, you know, beyond 30 minutes. I like to call, you know, the Apostle Paul, the great church planter said, you know, I want to go to the farthest uh, uh, extension of the Roman Empire where no one has gone before. I don't want to build on anyone's base. That's a church planter's uh, mindset, and thank God for church planters because every church today, you know, in the world today was started by somebody that was willing to take that bold, uh, aggressive, uh, you know, uh, move to go start a church where there was no pe- church, uh, church people or Christians al- already. But multi-site is the opposite. It's just it says uh, we I want to go and build on the base that we already have laid with a foundation of some people already in the community where we want to reproduce our church. And so which is better? Both are better. We need both. But that's what has made multi-site more uh, quickly, more successful to uh, getting established and growing is because you're starting with a stronger base. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. uh, There's something I've talked about before. The difference between church planting and and multi-site is that um, you 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 can plant a church in the same locality but it would need to have a it needs to be reaching a different kind of people as well you fundamentally would have a different kind of target market really mm-hmm. because you're trying to reach people that you won't that your church just wouldn't be able to reach and it's one right. of those things that's quite hard for churches sometimes to realize that you can't reach everyone your church is always designed to reach the people that you're kind of already reaching and so sometimes you need a different church but you're absolutely right as soon as you're out of that 30 minute locality you're now into you, that you're now into sort of more church planting territory and uh, i think i think that's true well it was certainly true pre-covid has has anything changed now you know have the rules changed for for multi-site or the, the the best practices changed for multi-site now that we're in this kind of covid era coming out of covid slightly i know covid's not gone but great great um, question uh you know um have the rules changed or the best practices changed no they they're the same because uh, COVID, um, what COVID did for not only churches, but for every organization, every company, every business, uh, only accelerated what was already happening pre-COVID. It accelerated the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so these were the the, the best practices I shared with you a few moments ago, pre-COVID, were already uh, moving. That was the, Those were the f- practices that were moving to the future. COVID just accelerated that. And so all those still are, are applicable. And um, and have been reinforced through COVID. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. There's been um, so many things where you think has COVID completely changed the landscape. But I think you I think you're right in many senses. It's just for the church being in this accelerator where you know, especially things with, with online. I think this has completely changed. You know, mm-hmm. The thought of being able to run uh, video teaching, which I know is one of the big hallmarks of, of multi-site. Mm-hmm. Well, pre-COVID, that was quite a difficult undertaking, but we've just managed to turn on a dime and do it. And actually things like that now become more possible. And actually the acceptance of it, you know, um, before COVID, I know many churches that would have really struggled with the thought of video teaching. And now video teaching, well, that's just become 
the norm. So that certainly these best practices have, have been um, definitely been accelerated. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Well, and that's what's what, that's what COVID has changed uh, in terms of multi-site. <laughs> when COVID happened, every church in the world, almost every church in the world, became a multi-site church. They had their physical site. They they may or may not be meeting. Uh, or they eventually started meeting, but they also had a online site now. And so uh, they're in the digital neighborhood. And that's what multi-site is all about. It's taking uh, church to the people. And there are literally millions of people in the digital uh, neighborhood. And so, and to your point, uh, there was a lot of debate about, you You know, you really can't do church with a, on a video screen or video sermons. And you know, is that really valid and all that? You know, that that all kind of went away during COVID when that was the only option for people to uh, bring their church to the people was through the internet, through digital um, uh, church experiences. And it's interesting as well, even, I think, even worship. I remember um, I remember reading uh, Dan Ryland's book uh, years ago, and he, he was advocating mm. for, could you do worship in a multi-site context over video? And this was way before the pandemic, you know, this many years before the pandemic. And I think that now, um, I think that that's, that's now even possible. So there's even more, it's even possible to, to yeah. launch even more lean than we have done before, because actually we're, we're more used yeah. to it. My, my own church, we, we do a, uh, we'll do uh, a, just a, a midweek worship and prayer evening. Now we can't get all the worship team to, to do the worship there. So what the, uh, the, the prayer team uses, they'll just go onto YouTube and they'll, They'll use the worship from different areas and different places. And it's mm-hmm. just as engaging, just as, you know, you don't lose out on anything. And it's really fascinating. I think there's, there's, a, there's a shift that's happened that they've embraced this technology. And even, you know, we thought, we all knew that, uh, or many of us knew that, that preaching could happen, but we're skeptical about the worship and thought, you know, you've got to have a band there. But even worship, I think now has, has started to change, which I think is really fascinating. You know, it's interesting because the... Uh... Uh, videotaping a a worship service in a large room with you know maybe a, a few hundred people or whatever is different than uh, doesn't this, it, it does translate online, but uh, a lot of churches here in the U.S. Uh, did a different worship experience, not just a large or a band on a stage in front of a few hundred people or even thousand people watching a big concert kind of service. Uh, others uh, had created a different kind of worship service that was a little more intimate, more maybe acoustical, maybe one or two people in like a studio kind of format. And uh, it became very, for many people, that became even more personal, intimate, worshipful. And so uh, it was a lot, it was fun to see the innovation and the creativity and in, in bringing just the worship experience, um, you know, to an internet online audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just came off, um, I'm a worship leader myself, and um, I just was with my church recording some Christmas songs just on Monday evening, and we went to a a, a local church that is um, was built in the 1200s. <laughs> Mm. and uh, fantastic and you just get this wonderful intimate experience and it was it was brilliant i, I really enjoyed it uh, okay so let's let's think about multi-site and and churches maybe there's some churches that are thinking okay i'm you know multi-site we'd love to think about maybe going multi-site at some point we maybe think that they're, like god might be calling us to do that but we're not quite sure mm-hmm. if we're in the right place you know so what are those initial conditions that a church needs to be looking for if they want to be starting multi-sites and to start moving down that that route 
So first of all, Chris, it's important to know that multi-site is a healthy church strategy. Effective multi-site churches, before they ever launch their second location, uh, are already a healthy, growing, outreach-oriented, and community-centric church. Because at the end of the day, multi-siting is not primarily a growth engine. It's more a growth uh, vehicle that will accommodate a growing church, that will even accelerate a growing church. But, uh, but it's all about reproducing who and what you are. I would say every growing church in the U.S. is, a, is strong in their preaching, in their worship, in their children's ministry, in their welcoming of people, guest services, in their strong and small groups. These are the characteristics of churches that are candidates to multi-site. And then kind of one last thing, uh, typically uh, before a church goes multi-site, we like to recommend do multiple services. Can you do two, at least two, reproduce your service in the same location? That's a good test to see if you could do it in another location. Could we do two services, two worship services, two um, uh, or, th- or three uh, in the one location is a good stepping stone towards becoming one church in two locations. Yeah, and I think sometimes the third one can be the the real interesting one because mm-hmm. you know when with two services you can do you can do back to back services on a Sunday morning and you use the same team mm-hmm. and you think oh that's all right we've we've done that but when as soon as you go to the third especially in the UK uh, now my church once started a, a church service right at lunchtime as a third service and it didn't work because the thing in the UK is you know you get sure. home and you have your Sunday dinner that's a thing uh, so we end up when we went to our third service pre-COVID we had to do it in the evening we, there was just no chance of being able to squash them all in in the morning it was just never going to happen and but that was a brand new uh impact and I think that was almost for for for, for my church and I know probably for other churches as well when you rep when you go from that two in the morning to either morning and evening I think that's the big kicker because that can be the one where it, you start to think okay now it's not just about can we just do that do that again and repeat but now we've got to use maybe different teams because not everyone can commit to a whole morning and an evening and maybe it's not right for them to do that and so you're really having to work really really hard to 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 produce that that's that's now with different teams different you know you've got different leaders coming in and leading different shifts to do bits and pieces so i've i've noticed that that if you can if you can do a morning and an evening and you've got those different people and you you're using different people to do it that's a good sign that you can replicate that really well. Have you, have you found that as well? Absolutely. And I would say that really the multi-site movement began not in the late 90s when, when I started as one of the early pioneers, um, but it really started about the 1970s when churches made in, in the U.S. made a very bold, dramatic step to go from one service on the weekend, 11 o'clock worship service, to two services on, on the Sunday morning. That was the beginning, in my mind, really, of the multi, what became the multi-site movement, because that was a radical step and was met with a lot of resistance. Um, but, um, but growing, progressive, forward-thinking church leaders in about the 70s and 80s uh, began to think, hey, we've got a room sitting empty at 9 o'clock. Uh, we're full at 11 or almost. Why don't we use have two services? And, and then as that unfolded, then we thought, well, how about three services, maybe an earlier eight o'clock service, 830, whatever. Uh, and um, that got traction with a lot of growing churches. And then, you know, by the 1990s, some really bold churches said, what if we do a Saturday night service? And, um, and so now we're doing multiple services on multiple days. 
this was my experience in Colorado. We went from three in the morning and then to two on Saturday nights. And then we had some empty rooms like a fellowship hall or a student center room that what if we, or a basement in my case, what if we made that a video venue? And that back in that day, it was like closed circuit TV. This is before videos even. It was just an overflow room, which often was a very bad experience until uh, realized, hey, let's make this a value added experience. Let's make this an alternative ex- your, uh, experience for people, a good one. And so we, uh, that, uh, we churches went from multiple services to multiple days to multiple rooms. It was an inevitable step to go to multiple locations as the technology, the video technology uh, developed and allowed church leaders, growing churches to maximize and leverage that technology and recognize we can take our church to other parts of our community. So yeah. it was, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch how this has unfolded. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. This is only halfway through the podcast and you can listen to the full conversation by joining our members podcast. Just go to our website, www.thinking.church and you can sign up to our members podcast there. It only costs the price of one coffee per month. So it's well worth doing. So why not get a coffee, listen to the podcast and learn something new. We'll see you again for this podcast next week. So bye for now.